hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. That's the message. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. And a big shout out to our online audience. Great that you can join us. And I'm excited about today because I have a voice. Last week, I didn't have a voice. And uh, this helps with ministry, having a voice. I mean, you can preach the gospel, you can preach the word of God, you can worship God, and, uh, and the voice is so powerful. So let me know that you're out there and share your voice with me this morning. Can you give me a little bit of a yell or a... Yeah. Man, it's nice to have a voice. Let's go to Acts 2, verses 46 to 47. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. In the early church, there was a oneness, a togetherness. There was incredible unity. And they loved the Lord and they would pray and they would worship and they would take communion like we did today, remembering the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the victory and the power that we have through his shed blood. And they went out and they fellowshiped together. They shared meals, they shared finances, there was real unity in the community. They met together each and every day to celebrate the Lord together. So every day was Bri-day. Every day they had roasted pig. Well, actually, they didn't. They were Jewish. But don't tell our Filipino friends that. <laughs> Every day was the day for a barbecue or a hungy for the masses, a shared dinner together. Every day they came out and they met together. They were in revival. They were being revived every day. They weren't getting tired. They were living in a state of revival. And I think it's amazing that they were living like this. And may I propose today that revival isn't so much something we pray for, but something we live in. Julia Crossan, we all know her so well. She is always out and about and amongst the people, doing life groups, taking food to people, encouraging people. Just this week I talked to her and she's writing a book now. She lives like this. And she's not getting tired. She is living in the state of revival. And uh, I love Trish. And uh, she's the same. She's out at prayer meetings. She loves to worship. She loves the word of God. She loves people. She's always serving. And, uh, and who knows? Trish is being constantly revived. I mean, she brought a tongue this morning, an interpretation of the tongue. She's on fire for God. 
It doesn't have anything to do about age. It's about living in this place of revival, being revived every day. And Henry, um, he was at my life group Tuesday morning, then up early in Martin's life group Wednesday morning, and uh, he's living in this place of revival. We don't ever want to limit Christianity to one and a half hours on a Sunday morning. We can live like the early church did. Live in community and unity, celebrating and worshipping God each and every day. And I love it that last night, this place was packed out with Filipinos. And uh, I don't know who told them they were loud, loud on this side, but they were, Joe, weren't they? They were on this side. Um, they, they crossed the line, and we have Filipinos all the way around and to the back. And Filipinos actually know how to do hospitality, know how to encourage one another, know how to do a Bible study and a worship time. And God is really adding to their numbers as they are living like the Scripture. And I love it that this place was used last night for a fusion service. Church 2 services today, Life Kids out, out the other end. And then tomorrow night it's a prayer meeting, Tuesday night it's youth, Thursday it's worship, and then there's parties and celebrations and, and staff here and ministry happening and parties happening. I love it that this building is used continually and that's that's how a, a church should be we should be vibrant and alive christianity isn't just something that we 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 do on a sunday morning it's something that we live in and flow in they worship together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, as we're in unity and living life and such an example to the world, it's attractive and people will come and be added into that. They'll say, I want to be part of this community of faith and everything that they stand for. The title of my message today is The Power of Friendship, and it's staying with the community theme. Let's go to Mark 2, verses 2 to 3. Soon the house where he, that's Jesus, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. So Jesus is staying at this house and he's a great teacher and people are coming to see Jesus. And so he's in a house and the house is full. And then the doorways are full. And then outside the doorways are full. I mean, there's something attractive about Jesus that can draw a crowd. And uh, that's what's happening. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now I want us to focus just now on the man on the mat. He lived on a mat because he was paralyzed. And this mat, I imagine, would be like six foot long and three foot wide, and that's where he lived on a mat. 
Someone needs to feed him. Somebody needs to clean him. People need to care for him. They need to dress him. You know, this man would be viewed by the Jewish society, not, not our society, but by the Jewish society at the time, as worthless because he cannot contribute to society. And there'd be a stigma around his condition, like uh, we see in an, another place in the Gospels where, where they say, uh, whose sin caused this? Is it his sin or the parents? And so there's a real stigma about being a paralysed person sitting on a mat. And people in his condition needed to beg. I mean, somebody needs to lay him beside the road and place his tin there where he begs by the road. It's a busy piece of road and hopefully somebody passing by that day will drop a coin into his tin so he can buy some food and live, or may I say, exist another day. Life isn't kind to this man. There's no welfare, there's no treatments, and again, he's unable to contribute to society. His life is limited to a mat. And because he is disabled, his life is lived out on a mat that is six feet long and three foot wide. And I just want to say this this morning, that we all have a mat. We all have a disability. We all have a weakness. We all have a mat. Maybe not as obvious as this man's mat, but we can all identify with this man because we all carry a mat. And if you were to say to me this morning, well, actually, I don't have a mat. Um, your mat would be pretty obvious to me and many others that it would, your mat would be pride, self-righteous spiritual pride. And those ones aren't quite so easy to see, but they're still there. You see, we all have a mat. There are always times in our lives when we need to be carried Let's not allow our pride to get in the way. Some people will spend their whole lives managing their mat, hiding their mat, doing everything they can to appear matless. And that's just on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is matless, isn't it? But let's be real, let's do community and let's not hide our mats. Let's uh, allow others to see it. Let's be transparent and let's journey together. Everybody has a mat. Let the mat stand as a picture of human brokenness and imperfection. As we reveal our mats with others, allow others to see our brokenness and imperfections, as we do that, we are then able to give and to receive healing and to help each other. Let's not kid ourselves and let's not kid each other. Let's be real, open and honest, transparent community. Now I want to talk about the four friends. After all, my sermon title is The Power of Friendship. You see, this man doesn't have a lot going for him, does it, as I've explained. 
But one thing he has is he has four friends. He has four amazing friends. And he can depend on them. And they care for him. And they carry him. And they're there for him. This is a story that shows us the power and the blessing that can come into your life when you have good friends. When friendships are healthy and supportive, they improve our confidence and self-worth. They help us cope with serious life events. Friends can help provide perspective, problem solve, or simply listen. Friendships make life more meaningful. Great friends offer emotional support and enable us to feel loved and connected. Spending time with good friends is fun. You can have a laugh and spending time with them builds us up. May we learn to become good friends to others. Good friends bring their friends to Jesus. Are you here today because somebody introduced you to Jesus? Somebody brought you to Jesus or maybe they brought you to church where you could hear the gospel preached? Good friends take their friends to Jesus. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. The paralyzed man had four friends who would carry him. He didn't get left behind. They took him to where Jesus was. Verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. One of his friends, like, has an idea. We can't go through the door. Why don't we make a hole in the roof and lower him down? I mean, who even thinks like this? I wonder if it was like the one with dyslexia or the autistic one. Because these are the ones that think outside of the square, aren't they? But somebody had the idea, let's lower them through the roof. And talk about crashing the party. Now it's a thatched roof, so it's made of straw and, and dirt. And so they just start digging a hole. What are they thinking underneath? Like Jesus is trying to preach, the next thing there's dust and straw and dirt falling on him and the, and the crowd. I mean, Jesus is the teacher. And these guys are disrupting his lesson. I used to be one of those. I could disrupt the lesson. I'd always just take things a little bit too far, but I'd kind of feel the egging on of my classmates and I'd just go too far and I'd be in trouble again. I mean, I used, to, I used to cause a little bit of trouble in the classroom, but nothing like this. 
I never broke the ceiling above the teacher. <laughs> but I know a teacher or two, and uh, you probably agree with me, Jesus is the teacher, and uh, he ain't going to be happy, is he? I mean, this would be disrupting to the class, wouldn't it? But this teacher is not like any other teacher. Verse 5, seeing their faith, and remembering faith is an action word, and they were certainly putting faith into action. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now a great discussion breaks out with the Pharisees and Jesus, like, who's this Jesus guy that can forgive sins? Can he do that? I don't know if he can. So discussion goes on. Now we go to verse 10. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on the earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Wow, what an amazing story. When you just take some time to meditate on it and to think about it. Um, I'll get Mal up now, please. But the story shows us the power of friendship. I mean, Jesus is the hero of the story. He's always the hero of the story. But let's make the four friends heroes in the story as well. His four amazing friends pick him up. He probably didn't have much choice about it. And they take him to the house where he can meet Jesus. Who can you bring to church, to God's house? You see, there's barriers that exist today, and it's not a thatched roof. It could be mindset barriers. I remember some 27, 28 years ago going to a church for the first time, and I was very, very scared. I was scared of the unknown. It could be scary coming to church when you're when uh, you've never been to a church before and you don't know anybody there. If you can pick somebody up and drive them here and then walk into the church with them, I mean, that could make it a whole lot easier for them. Who could you bring to church? Good friends bring their friends to Jesus. And I mean, you don't need to bring them to church for them to meet Jesus. But this is a great place where there's community and fellowship and connection. And it's great to be connected to the house of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, and this is a place where people can have their sins forgiven by Jesus and be healed through Jesus. And I wonder what this man who has been healed thought when he walked past others lying on the road on a mat. I'm sure he had compassion for them. 
I'm sure he dropped some coins into the cup. I'm sure he would stop and spend some time with them and talk with them. I, I'm sure he became a man that would even carry mats for others. And I wonder if he, when he ever went past you know, somebody on the roadside on a mat, if he ever thought back to that day where his four friends carried him to where Jesus was. And they pulled the roof apart and lowered him down to Jesus, where he had his sins forgiven and he was healed, changed and transformed forever. He had four amazing friends that would carry him. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've needed to be carried for a season. And I'm so grateful for good friends in my life. Friends who can carry me, not on a mat, but emotionally. You know, I so, I so want us as a church to go back to early church living where we support each other, care for one another, there for one another, we break bread together, we worship together, we pray together. It's so powerful when we live in unity and community. Why don't we stand together and uh, I'll get Mal, we'll go old school Mal, we'll just go acoustic guitar and your voice, but uh, just as he's Singing, if anybody ever wants prayer, you're always welcome to come up for prayer. So if anyone wants prayer for anything.